Hey, thanks for listening to our podcast. If you want to listen live in the central Indiana area, you can hear us on 93.5 FM and 107.5 FM. What in the hell do you think you're doing? Hey, John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get late. And again, it's picked off. It's Darius Leonard. A pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Oh, what a ticket. Double time. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Out of the gun, Ryan. Three receivers deployed to the left side. Waiting on a shotgun snap. Throws left flat, and it's caught by Paris Campbell. And he's in. He stretches the ball over the pylon. Touchdown on N-D-Y. Paris Campbell. Paris Campbell in motion to the left side, and they hand off to Deion Jackson. Full out of speed. He's in there. Touchdown. A spike job by Deion Jackson. Touchdown. I-N-D-Y. It's 21 to 19. This is fourth and one at the Colts' 32-yard line. Pistol formation for Lawrence. ETN is the back. Option. Shotgun snap. They're running the option, and they pitch it to ETN. No. And he's buried. No. He is pushed out of bounds. No chance for a first down. EJ Speed with the great play back to the 35. Backs to throw, looking left. Fires that way into the end zone. High point of the ball is Jelani Woods. He's got it. Touchdown. I-N-D-Y. One more for the big tight end, and the Colts have the lead. Ryan throws down the near sideline, looking for Alec Pierce. He's got it. Touchdown. Touchdown. Alec Pierce spikes it into the end zone. Touchdown. I-N-D-Y. A 32-yard grab over the shoulder snag. Alec Pierce, 32-27 Colts. Colts win at 34-27. So Matt Taylor, uh, Rick Venturi right there, the voice of the Colts of the Colts Radio Network. And, yeah, there was a lot of excitement in the building yesterday having been there. I can tell you that's about as juiced up. The first half, not so much, but the second half, it really got going. And there's a lot to discuss today. We're live at Buffalo Wild Wings on 146th. We are in Carmel today. And Sianna just informed me, I think I sent out a little bit earlier today that these were commander's tickets, but in fact, these are Eagles tickets were given away. Not Eagles like the band, but Eagles as far as the unbeaten Nick Sirianni, former Colts offensive coordinator-led Philadelphia Eagles tickets. So you're probably even more excited about the fact that you can win those tickets here. We've got a pair to give away a little bit later on. And all you have to do is slide by. You can join us. You can get some great food prep for Monday night football, which is Denver and the Chargers. Have an ice cold Bud Light and hang with us throughout the course of the late afternoon. And maybe take home some Eagles Colts tickets just for hanging out with this courtesy of our friends at Buffalo Wild Wings and Bud Light coming up. A little bit later on. So sit tight for that. We'd love to see you out here, certainly. So a lot of you at the game yesterday, and I want to start right here um, because it's okay. 
It's okay if you want to go crazy. It's okay if you want to be excited. It's okay if you want to tell me that I told you so. Now, granted, you really haven't told me anything just yet because the sample size is small, but I am not going to whiz in your Wheaties whatsoever. I want you to go ahead and feel good about a winning performance against the team that not only has haunted the Colts here of late, certainly the last two meetings, but you as a fan, I mean, you as a fan can certainly be as tested as, you know, the players. I mean, not to the degree in which their career hinges on it, but you as fans, you see Jacksonville coming in. You see what Jacksonville has done in Jacksonville the past couple of times and really what they have done to the Colts. And that's why I thought yesterday was so important. And again, we'll fast forward to even more of a level of importance coming up next Sunday against the Titans down in Nashville. But the level of importance of just doing something that you haven't done in a while and getting some payback against a team within your own division that has, as I mentioned earlier, haunted you. They have. And not just haunted you, but they've clowned on you. They've clowned on you. They've kept you out of the postseason um, and, and laughing and joking and high-fiving and doing so, doing stuff to this team that a lot of people did not expect them to be able to do, whether you're talking about back in week number two or if you want to talk about all the way back in January in that final regular season game. Now, again, I want you to celebrate. You can, again, you can say whatever you want because don't hold back. Uh, but I will remind you as we go throughout the show, um, that is just a step. That is a step of getting a division win, which you absolutely had to have. It was a step of getting the Jaguars off your back. It was a step with people starting to talk about you in a positive light. Because honestly, I've been a part of this too. Most of it has been negative, and rightly so. It's not like we're just making this stuff up. You know, much like we'll talk about today, just how well that they played. Uh, we'll talk about what they did in the second half. I mean, we had talked about, and rightly so, what they haven't done. And that not only is a team, but it is the individuals. But I want to get to what I really liked about yesterday. And I was screaming this, if you remember, going back to the Thursday night game. They were going in at the halftime, and that game was an absolute stinking disaster to watch, right? So they go into the half. And I'm screaming, I, I, I wish you could write something up on a chalkboard or the dry erase board or your tablet or whatever and start to shorten some things up here, all right? Start to play offensively the way that your offensive line is playing because this is a team where your offensive line is going to dictate the level of success. It just is. I've said this all along. If it doesn't improve and consistently improve, this team has no chance. Uh, it did improve yesterday, and I'm not sure its level of improvement was because Dennis Kelly came in for Bernard Ryman over the course of the game, and they finally, for whatever reason, decided to give him a shot yesterday. Besides a holding call, I thought he performed very well. I think overall, we would all view the offensive line as playing well, but I would also view the decision-making that went into what was a mini-bye week for this team. You play on Thursday night, you get a little bit longer to figure out exactly what you might be able to do, and they would know certainly much better than we would. 
I know everybody was disappointing on Saturday. You got a downgraded Saturday with a couple of running backs. And Naheem Hines was one that you certainly could understand. Jonathan Taylor was a bit of a surprise. Jonathan Taylor was a bit of a surprise. And you wondered, okay, um, directionally, what's going to happen here? But clearly, they had prepared. They had prepared to go a different direction, to play a different style of offense in which we haven't seen and, and not just to try to get a spark going with their own offense, but to help out an offensive line that, again, is the linchpin of what you do. It is going to dictate exactly your offensive level of success, and it had been awful. And it was dictating that level of success. And it wasn't there to what we had expected. So what did they do? They changed it up. They started to go tempo, no huddle, quick rhythm. You know, not, you're not going down the field and turning left or doing a post or whatever after 20 yards and not having Matt Ryan not only to have to hold on to the ball as long as he did, but also having an offensive line that clearly was not at all being able to protect having them wallow in it. You know, you made that short week change on the offensive line where you move Braden Smith on the inside to right guard and Matt Pryor on the outside to right tackle. And, you know, you, you bring Ryman in um, and you don't sniff Kelly, but you made those changes and that didn't help. And I was screaming at the half of that game, you got to shorten stuff up here. But you got to give your quarterback the chance. The quarterback hadn't played well. Don't get me wrong. There's no way in the world that you can look at 11 fumbles and seven interceptions as playing well. Nobody's saying he didn't have help to that negative along the way from the offensive line because certainly he has, but it hasn't been good. And it was good to see yesterday that many bye week and what they have concentrated on in a short amount of time, being all in on the no huddle, being all in on tempo, being all in on shortening those routes. And there is no doubt, you go back to week number two, there was no Michael Pittman Jr., there was no Alec Pierce, that was detrimental to this team's offense, but at the same time, you had to do something to help out that offensive line, and we've been screaming about that for the better part of a week and a half, and they did that. They did that, and especially in the second half, that really took shape. Now, I was, I don't know if I was completely shocked, I guess maybe I should be, right? Because he threw the ball, he being Matt Ryan, 58 times. And, and I get it. Most of the time with this team, that is probably not going to work. Bless you, Cameron. Probably not going to work because didn't turn the ball over. Uh, the offensive line did protect. You know, Dennis Kelly was a lot better than the way that it looked. A lot more things can go wrong when you play like that. But for a moment in which they needed a win, absolutely needed a win at home within the division, they got it. And I thought that that change in, at least at that moment, offensive philosophy had a great deal to do with it. So you do have to give a shout to Frank Reich and the coaching staff for changing that up. You have to give a shout to the offensive line for playing a lot better. I mean, even if it was magnified because of the way that the offense uh, was designed this particular week, it didn't matter, all right? Uh, it was a job well done. It was a job well done across the board. 
Uh, the wide receivers, Alec Pierce, Michael Pittman Jr. played exceptionally well. Alec Pierce to close it out, and Michael Pittman Jr., uh, you, you tend to forget, right, on that game-clinching touchdown pass on that particular series. He got a first down um, just a couple of plays early. That was actually before Quentin Nelson stepped on a drop back from Matt Ryan and lost him four yards. And we're kind of wondering, do they really want to settle on Chase McLaughlin? As good as he was in Denver, did you want to really settle on him from 51 yards away? And, and clearly the Colts offensively didn't want to settle on that. So they went at it. And one of the bigger plays, certainly in that final series, was Michael Pittman Jr., Michael Pittman Jr. on third down, getting a first down, moving those chains, and then legitimately putting them into field goal range at that moment. And then you had the Nelson. Nelson was uh, going to clear out and I think going to block on the right side. And I think he stepped on Matt Ryan, and Matt Ryan went down and lost four yards. And then you, you became a little bit more skeptical. I think after that, there was a run from Philip Lindsay that got them maybe two yards back. And then, you know, right goes big to Alec Pierce, and Alec Pierce made a play. Matt Ryan threw, really, in that situation, Shaquille Griffin was up, playing up on it. It was one-on-one. Actually, I think it was James Lofton that was on TV yesterday had mentioned a couple plays earlier that Alec Pierce uh, was at the top. Uh, with one-on-one coverage, and then he kind of moved down and got one-on-one coverage again, and they had been going at uh, Shaquille Griffin uh, oftentimes during that. Well, I mean, hell, they're going at everybody, especially him, if you're going to throw it 58 times, but they were they were going at him, and they went on that one-on-one press coverage they had with Shaquille Leonard, and Alec Pierce got a step, and Matt Ryan delivered the absolutely perfect football for that situation, and then you didn't have to worry. Didn't have to worry about Chase McLaughlin from 50-plus or, you know, 49, 48, whatever they may have settled on. And I like that. I know that it's easier said than done when you're successful and when you win by virtue of that. But I think everybody would agree, you know, even if, you know, maybe this was a set of circumstances that he didn't score a touchdown on. I think most people would have probably been cool for Frank Wright doing what he did in that particular situation. So you go and you get a win and you do it because you, you changed up some of your thinking. And I think that's all that a lot of us kind of wanted to see and not, you know, for circumstances in which I can go on the next day and say, hey, you know what, we were right about this. Because listen, I've been equally as wrong, especially defensively. Defense, defensively, they had been good. Yesterday against the run, not so much, but, you know, from what I thought, for example, example, Ngakwe was going to add, uh, that has not been consistently the case. So I, I haven't been right about that, but you look at this offense and you knew that this offensive line needed a helper. You needed that this offense, you knew that this offense needed a spark. And in that many by week, they got them both. They got them both. And we'll see where this ends up taking Matt Ryan. Again, do I expect them to do anything like this moving forward consistently? Absolutely not. But when there is cause, and maybe, maybe the way that this offense plays, maybe there will be more cause than what we know. I don't know if that's going to happen coming up on Sunday. I don't know when the commanders come in here in a couple of weeks, if that happens further down the road. 
Again, Frank Reich said earlier today that, you know, don't get used to it. We can't consistently do that. And I think we all understand you can't consistently do that and get a win. But these games, and you've seen it across the board in the NFL, each week seemingly is just drastically different. Is it not? Just seems like across the board, whether, you know, you're betting on it and you're doing our Larceny Bourbon Locks or Luna Azul Tequila Shots, or those of you that play fantasy football, doesn't it seem like each and every week it's like somebody else? And that's just what the NFL does. Like each and every week, it seems like it's something different. Give you a great example from my squad. Both Lazard and Ayuk had great games. Yeah, I shouldn't say great games for Lazard, but Ayuk, uh, the Niners had a great game, uh, both on the bench. And, you know, those guys really haven't done, I mean, the Lazard has been consistent, but, you know, nothing spectacular as you got with Ayuk with the 49ers and that loss to Atlanta yesterday. But, I mean, look at San Francisco. One week they look like you know, the best defense going in the NFL, and then the next week you can't beat Marcus Mariota on the road in Atlanta, right? I mean, he gets over on you. So it is a week-to-week thing, and I love the fact that the Colts decided with that extra time they were going to design something where they really needed to win and they were going to design something that was going to help them out in what had been a really shortfall of a situation, and that is the entirety of the offense. And in the process, you also think about the fact that they probably knew more about Jonathan Taylor's availability or lack thereof than we did, right? So he wasn't going to play. You thought you needed some help. I thought Deion Jackson, before he got injured, played really well. I don't know if I'm ready to go down the path like a lot of people now of, well, you know what? I don't know if he should be in the future. What about play? Here's the thing. You kind of got to live in the now. A lot of you are mad at me because I've lived in the now. I'm not going to live in the now where I'm thinking about, you know, what are you going to have to pay Jonathan Taylor one of these days? Because truth be told... We know the direction Chris Ballard is going, and he's going to continue to go that direction. That doesn't matter right now. What matters right now is you needed a win. What matters right now, you needed a division win. And your offense had been struggling. And your quarterback had been hit way too much. Your your offense had been way too mistake prone. So what you do, you changed it up. You changed it up. You went quick rhythm. You went tempo, and that was absolutely necessary to get them to win yesterday. That is the part I probably like the most. A lot of you bring up this, and and I will get this on a positive week because there's been so much negative. I mean, even with a team that was 2-2-1 going into yesterday, there had been a lot of negative because there had been a lot of negative because this team had not played consistently well at all. Right? So that's basically what you're going to talk about. And the quarterback had been a part of that. A lot of you say, hey, you and Bob Kravitz have been way too hard on Matt Ryan. No, that is what happens with that position. When you make mistakes, you get the blame. We all see this. It's not like we left the offensive line out of the equation. We lumped them in there as well. So it's a good week to be able to go back and give the offensive line some credit, give the quarterback some credit, give the coaching staff some credit, all three of which have been firmly in the crosshairs, certainly over the first month of the season. 
So it was good to do that. It's going to be good on this day to go back and do that. So if you're asking me right now, is this something that's going to be sustainable? No, it's not. And here's how you know. Frank Reich said as much earlier today, this is not something you're going to be able to do all the time, but you had to do something. Coming off that Denver game with that extra time, it's not like you're going to go back in, even with the win, go back into facing this Jacksonville team and having Jacksonville do to you in week number two or going back to January what they did. You're not going to go back and do the same thing. You're going to change some things up. And especially if you don't think that your star running back is going to be available. You're going to change some things up. They did, and that is a good thing. We hope that the offensive line further gets better, kind of lifts it up because it has been, if not the worst, one of the worst in the NFL, and it just can't be there. It cannot be there for the good fortunes of this team moving forward. It, it, yesterday, with the protection, the fact that the time that Matt Ryan had, and he still got rid of it quick, but the time that he normally had went from around 1.6 to 2.4, and you're going, well, I mean, what the heck's that, a blink of an eye? But by NFL standards with protection and especially with what we have seen recently, that was a big deal. And the offense design was a big deal. Not making mistakes was a big deal. You want to see this defense play better. I know if you're really going to call out a negative, it was the run defense. Somebody said this. It's kind of funny. It's... It, it, I want everybody to call in and say, you know, why, you know, you were excited about yesterday, and, and I'm not even going to temper your enthusiasm, because I'll be the one to do that, right? I mean, there is still, as much as you're telling me, hey, you got to stay patient, and you were all over this team, and I told you it was going to be great, listen, my sample size is still larger to this point than your sample size of greatness. Just keep that in mind. I hope that's a stepping stone in the right direction, and I want you to be able to celebrate that. But at the same time, it is a 2-4 and four now Jacksonville team where you had them at home. I just like the adjustments that were made, and we'll see what adjustments happen with a Tennessee team that has equally been dominant with them recently as far as win-loss column is concerned, and a game that is a must for you coming up on Sunday. Be interested to see what they do differently. Now, whether or not Jonathan Taylor is back, I think, again, everybody probably expects him to be back, but at the same time, you really don't know, right? I mean, I would have thought he would have been back on Sunday. But if you're going to look at the defense, there's no doubt the defense against the run has to play better. The other thing that you see in before you want to go down the path, for example, of you know, you know, Jonathan Taylor, we can see his value is not as much as Michael Pittman Jr., Alec Pierce, uh, Ibaloni. That's how they design this offense. They need him to be able to run the football. They want to be able to run the football. And similar can be said for Shaquille Leonard. Oh, Zaire Franklin either is leading or near the top in tackles in the NFL right now. You know, why do you need Shaquille Leonard? You need Shaquille Leonard because you don't turn the ball over at all. Not at all. And we have seen that. That was the one thing a year ago that you would look at this, this Colts defense and go, okay, this is the only reason that keeps it from being okay. That is the, the direction, okay or bad. Without the takeaways of Leonard a year ago, that defense is bad. 
that is absolutely something that you miss. We'll see if he gets back at some point, but it's not all or nothing here in this case. And again, it is such a week-to-week deal right here. This is a good week for you to be a Colts fan. But it still, as we will, shines the light on exactly what you need from this offense. And we saw a lot of that yesterday. I mean, really consistently, other than what, the overtime drive in Houston? I mean, even at the end of the game at Kansas City, they needed some help. Chris Jones and the flag. I guess initially, even though you didn't get the points that you wanted and Alec Pierce had that drop, those first couple of drives in Houston maybe. But what you saw in the second half yesterday was the, the consistency offensive-wise that you want to see. I know that they got off to another slow start. I mean, I, I wish I had a better answer for it than just putting up my hands, but I don't. Another slow start, but the offense picked it up, and I love what they did in the off week to try to put all this thing together because they needed to. You had to. And as it turned out, it was good enough to get them a win, the first win within their division, and really set the stage for what should be a humdinger coming up in Nashville on Sunday. We shall talk about that with you at 239-1070. Email address is jmv at 1075thefan.com. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live, you guys can jump in. Uh, you can do so on the app and the stream as well. I know a lot of people are doing this. I told you so. You guys haven't told me anything, honestly. You seriously haven't told me anything. All right, I got four years behind me, four years of wondering, four years of waiting, four years of talking. Not one game does it make. Listen, I'm glad. I want this conversation to end. So don't get me wrong on that. But no, I don't want the I told you so stuff. I don't want the I told you so stuff regarding Matt Ryan either. Because all we do is talk about how they play in that moment. And it hasn't been good. Yesterday in the second half, that's how you want it to be. That's when we will give you a consistent overview of what's going down to this team, especially if a win is coinciding with it. So, again, a lot of your conversation at 239-1070. I know everybody's excited. I can understand that because there hasn't been a great deal. I mean, think about this. Even in one of the wins, it's not like that you could call me up and go, hey, that was great. I'm almost wanting you to call up and say, hey, I told you so, because it will let you vent out some of that frustration. You weren't even able to do that after that Denver game because you won, but it was one of the uglier games in the history of the NFL. Didn't really feel that way. Now you can. Now you can. All right, 239-1070, Jake Query, top of the hour. I think Joel Erickson is going to join us at the star coming up at the 5 o'clock hour. We're at Buffalo Wild Wings on a blue Monday. We are in Carmel off of 146th Street. We have an autographed helmet to give away, and we have tickets, a pair, to go see the Eagles. Not the band, but the Philadelphia Eagles of Nick Seriani coming up later on in the Colts schedule. you got to be here to sign up to win, and we would love to see you here in Carmel at Buffalo Wild Wings with the great food and, of course, ice-cold Bud Light for you on tap. All right, phone calls coming up on the other side. Jake Query at the top of the hour. we got a busy one for you as well. College football over the weekend, good for Purdue not so good for Notre Dame and IU. I love this. I love there are two great examples of 
Winning and fun and enjoyment for the first time in a long time. Neyland Stadium with volunteers upset of Alabama. You saw how everybody soaked that in, including Peyton Manning, including Trace Jackson Davis, because his little brother plays uh, in that program with the volunteers. I think Race Thompson was there as well. You saw it there. And for me, most notably, and I know a lot of people are going, well, it's baseball. We don't have a team in this market. I have absolutely loved watching the Padre faithful going crazy. That closeout game against the Dodgers was spectacular. Absolutely spectacular on Saturday night. In the rain in San Diego. I mean, it looked like a family. Like people, you know that they didn't all know one another. All celebrating, all embracing. Man, that gave you a quick fix on how great sports moments bring everybody together. Now, there's also a great deal of jackassery, don't get me wrong. But I thought that was a great example of it. I thought Neyland Stadium with the Tennessee upset of Alabama was a great moment and description of that as well. We'll get to all of that and more. Come up with you at 239-1070. This is 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. Let me have a Diablo sandwich of Dr. Pepper. Make it fast. I'm in a damn hurry. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. You know, I don't know what everybody's talking about. This team, this Colts team, the one Alec Pierce drop in the end zone in week one away from being a four-win team. I get it. They don't pass the eye test. But you know what? At the end of the day, the eye test does not matter. Only the wins and losses and ties matter. So with that being said, the division is still in reach. Everybody just R-E-L-A-X-X-X, relax. Rant line right there. Welcome back to the show. We're in Carmel, 146, the Buffalo Wild Wings on a blue Monday with a pair of Eagles Colts tickets to give away at the end of the show, an autographed helmet as well. I will say this. All right, I, I test be damned, but it does matter how you played. And, you know, you find me levels of sustained consistency, and then I'll shut up about that. Or then I'll say, oh, yeah, you're absolutely right. You know what? I know it's not about the eye test, but it is about the performance test. And I know that you look at the win-loss column leading into yesterday, and you go, well, it's not in right. It's not that bad. But you are looking for consistent levels of play that this team had not given. I'd be more excited about the way that they played in the second half and hopefully something being re-sparked with this offensive line with, with really, let's talk about the way that it should be, with the, the first sustained success that they've had this year. I know that we talk about it more than anybody else does, and that's why you want to listen, because nobody else gives a crap about you. Nobody else gives a crap about the Colts. Like Mike Greenberg, I saw him sweep, you know, he decided to swoop in and say, hey, I hope Matt Ryan didn't keep all these receipts. Well, maybe you should. All right, because you play that position, you turn the ball over as many times as it has been turned over, and you're going to get that type of blowback. And granted, it's not like we don't sit here and also see how the offensive line had been playing. We get that. But the level of play at the quarterback had to be better. And the coaching, 
and the preparation helped that out, in particular, to a win in the second half yesterday. That's the good thing. And that's more than just the eye test. That was actually executing, performing, and then getting a win. Come from behind style. And I'm not even going to go to the, I mean, the Jaguars are two and four and you're celebrating because I know that you've had so little to celebrate really so far this year. Everything is basically griping. And I'm not going to turn this into a gripe fest at all. But while I will, I'll always keep it real for you here. And keeping it real means that the quarterback hadn't played great. The offensive line hadn't played great. Collectively, they haven't been good whatsoever. And you know what happens in the NFL, right? The quarterback is always going to be the focal part of the conversation before anything else. So there's a reason why Bob Kravitz had brought that up before, because it was true. And again, you get back to Mike Greenberg, and I hope he wasn't keeping the receipts. That's what happens when somebody that's paying attention to the Jets 95% of the time swoops in and brings up something about the Colts. He has no idea what he's talking about. That's why we're here, because we do. I mean, I won't speak for everybody, because I know I do. And all we've done so far is talk about exactly how this team has played. That's why it feels good to flip the script today, right? And then talk about the good things that they did. The good things that they did, all these question mark positions we wanted to know about, got lifts from Michael Pittman Jr. Listen, I've, I've talked about Michael Pittman Jr. is beyond legit. We knew that. Alec Pierce, I go back to this off-season conversation about my expectations of Alec Pierce. He hasn't, like, blown the numbers out of the water. But, again, it is stuff that you can see. That call that just came in on the rant line, Alec Pierce passes the eye test. So you're going to pass the eye test with that. But the team, you know what I mean? It's all about what you're giving to the execution of this team to get wins. And you can see Alec Pierce forming right there before your eyes. That's a great thing. That's exactly what you've been looking for for a long time. It's not like I've been wrong about the past four years. I've been absolutely right. And I cannot wait until that conversation stops. But maybe more so than anything else with the offense, the offensive line, with the quarterback play, with the wide receivers, and a quick shout-out to Deion Jackson, who injured that quad but was having a nice afternoon as well. Yeah, give it up to the coaching staff, who had a longer time than usual to come up with a game plan and put something together to hopefully spark this offense. And if for nothing else you saw that, I don't know if that is going to be how they play in Nashville on Sunday, but in a game where you needed it at home, that's what they did. So I'll give... I'll give a shout to the coaching staff on that. And certainly the coaching staff has taken it a lot. But yesterday, yesterday was good on most accounts. Now, the run defense, not so much. But with an offense and an offensive line that has struggled for the most part this year, that was a really good afternoon for them, especially late. Guys making plays.
you know, when you talk about, you know, Frank Reich making that that call to go for it, you know, and, and do the go route with Alec Pierce, and it was there, and Matt Ryan dropped it in there. If you go back to that play, there was more to it than just a pass and catch, or there was more to it than just the call that led to the pass and the catch. If you go back and watch that play, Matt Ryan got hit low at the end of it and still dropped that thing right into Pierce. And then if you watch Pierce and Griffin going down the field, it is an absolute hand fight all the way down there. Pierce is trying to knock the hands of Griffin off of him. But you go back and watch that play. There was a lot more that was an amazing aspect of that play other than just the throw and the catch. Watch what all took place. You know, before there was a small park pocket that was developed by the offensive line, and then somebody snuck. I don't know who it was for the Jags, but he ended up hitting, he ended up hitting Ryan low. But Ryan just delivered the football exactly where it needed to be. And then on the other end, you had Alec Pierce making a play just beyond catching the football, right? You talk about growth right there. And then you give it up to the coaching staff because they called the right play. That was the moment to go at them. And you didn't settle for Chase McLaughlin to try to kick a 50-yard field goal or a 40-plus yard field goal. You didn't settle on that. You just kind of went for it right there. And man, when that works, there is nothing better. So hopefully there's a lot of confidence built out of that. Hopefully there's a lot of confidence and continuity. And a quick shout-out to Dennis Kelly. Dennis Kelly, who had wondered about this time last week, all right, we're having all these problems on the offensive line. Um, In a short week, you start a rookie, and you move a guy over to play right tackle who had struggled at left tackle. And everything was foobar along that offensive line. And he kind of put his hands up um, and said, what about me here? Where am I? And I don't know, I'm assuming it was Ryman just not playing to the level in which that they had hoped. Because I didn't see an injury. Kyle, did we see anything regarding Ryman other than just getting subbed out at left tackle for Kelly? That was basically it, right? Well, he was in and out so quickly. You, I would yeah. be surprised if it was injury. I would assume it had I to mean, have been because of his play, right? It was just ineffectiveness. And Kelly came in, and Kelly, there is no doubt, Kelly played as well at that position as we have seen in a while, even with a holding call. So finally, and I know a lot of people are saying, why does it take that long? See, in the NFL, you don't have that long. You kind of got to go when you got to go. That's why when people tell me, like last night, they were saying, you got to be patient. Ah, We've seen patience doesn't lead to greatness here. You got to go when you can go. Everybody often just looks and fawns last year. Hey, look what they did last year. Last year, again, stunk. There is nothing to put in a portrait and hang on the wall about last year. Oh, well, great, New England. Oh, well, fantastic, Christmas night. But I don't want to revisit that. I thought it was junk. All right, you're supposed to hold this team with higher regard. The standards should be higher. 
And you saw that yesterday without Jonathan Taylor for a second consecutive week coming off just an inept offensive performance, even in a win in Denver. I love what the offense put together. I like what the coaching staff put together and the execution in particular in the second half was exactly what you wanted. Those are good things. And we'll take your calls on those good things today. You better celebrate that at 239-1070. Email the address to JMV at 1075thefan.com. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live. I see everybody lurking in there. Jennifer wants to know why I don't grow a beard. It, it, beards are itchy. I don't dig on beards too much. Sometimes I do in the summertime, but yeah, not now, certainly. But uh, thank you, Jennifer, for asking about that. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live, we're at Buffalo Wild Wings and Carmel, 146th Street. Eagles, Colts tickets to give away an autographed helmet as well a little bit later on. Jake Query, the morning show, top of the hour. Joel Erickson, the star in the 5 o'clock hour. You got us locked in to a lot of positivity and really consistent positivity for the first time this year. So celebrate it, Colts fans. If you want to tell me that I was wrong, tell me that I was wrong. Now, I'm not. But if you want to tell me that, certainly you can. 239-1070, a little celebration Monday for you with 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. Just an average guy with exceptional hair. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. A goal-to-go situation for the Colts. Third and goal from the four, uh, make it the five-yard line. Out of the gun, Ryan. Three receivers deployed to the left side. Waiting on a shotgun snap. Throws left flat, and it's caught by Paris Campbell. And he's in. He stretches the ball over the pylon. Touchdown on D.Y. Paris Campbell. Great effort right there. The call, courtesy of Matt Taylor, the Colts Radio Network. Paris Campbell did some work yesterday. That was good to see. Again, I don't know. The level of consistency you're going to get with that style of play yesterday probably won't be there, right? But they did offensively what you needed to do to get out of that rut in which they were in. You gave a shot of confidence, protection-wise, and all the above with the offensive line. Um, The fans can get off of you for a week. Actually, it's not even the fans. We can get off of them offensively for a week as well, especially in that second half. They may very well still have some of the major flaws that we have seen, but shout out to the coaching staff for putting together that particular game plan, especially the one that I've been screaming about for the better part of a week and a half. So well done out of that. Again, sustainable this way, no. But in need of a win, which they got, come from behind style with an offense that we haven't seen yet this year, that is a job well done. Your conversations inside the lounge via YouTube Live are at 239-1070. We would love to have you. Buffalo Wild Wings and Carmel, 146th Street. And we got great food. We've got ice cold Bud Light. We've got tickets to give away. The Eagles Colts, we've got a pair of Eagles Colts tickets to give away and an autographed Colts helmet for you as well. Meantime, via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline from the morning show, Kevin and Query, weekday morning, 7 until 10 a.m., our friend Jake Query joins us. Um, I, seriously, I don't know how much of what we saw at least offensively, is sustainable with this team. But yesterday, clearly it was necessary to go into that mode, and I like it that the coaching staff and the offense went a different direction because clearly it was the difference in winning and losing that game against Jacksonville yesterday. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, what we saw, JMV, was that when you're going against – because, listen, I realize that Jacksonville is not at this point going to be confused with an upper echelon NFL team, but it is probably certainly – at the very least, an above-average front four defensively. And I think it's beyond that. I mean, I think they're pretty aggressive and they're pretty nasty defensively, you know, as we've seen from their front four. So to go through the changes that the Colts did, and particularly, listen, credit where due. I mean, I have been critical of the Colts. I've been critical of the way they've been constructed. But to be fair and to be balanced, I have to tip the cap when – you know, those things that I've said have been proven wrong. This is that case on this Monday in the fact that, you know, they on the offensive line, they played well. And Dennis Kelly going in there at left tackle, I thought, you know, showed himself well. And Paris Campbell, for that matter. I, Paris Campbell is a guy that, that, you know, we've had plenty of opportunity to critique Paris Campbell and be critical of him, but Yesterday, I thought that he not only played really well and you know took every snap, but also made an ex- an incredibly athletic play for certain. Um, and kudos to him. And lastly, I think for Matt Ryan to be able to say that, you know, he was confident. Or I, I can't remember if he said confident or comfortable in throwing that pass to Alex Pierce on a third and thirteen. But to be able to say that about a rookie just playing in his sixth game in the NFL says a lot. So the areas that we have once been critical. They perform very well. And so absolutely kudos to them and crow eating on my end. Well, listen, we go every week and we talk about exactly what transpires in a game. All right. And let's just face it. Consistency speaking, there hadn't been a lot there positive. So it's been a struggle. I mean, even in one of their wins, there wasn't a lot other than that win itself to talk about positively. So yesterday, I think, was the first real consistent opportunity. Even in the Kansas City game, you had to have a little bit of help with a flag in that final drive to get them there. And listen, you're not going to take away any of those wins, but discussing these games can become a little bit problematic because there has not been that level of consistency that you want as far as positive playing from this team. And you got that. Other than the run defense, Jake, in the second half, you really got that. And and sustainability-wise, you got that in the second half from this offense for the first time, and we've seen it this season. I mean, truly speaking, that was the longest we had seen this team playing well and what you liked about them moving the football yesterday that we had seen the entire season thus far. Yeah, I, listen, I, I think, you know, I, I, Derek Schultz and I were talking about this. I think Derek made a really good point to me when he said this was the first game that it felt like the Colts went out and won, and they needed to do that, right? They needed to have a game because not – listen, a win's a win. I mean, I get that. And like Jim Mersey said, what, like, you know, even every win looks like Raquel Welch or whatever it was he said. But the reality is that the two wins they had on their resume heading into yesterday were Kansas City – who was, you know, a unsportsmanlike penalty away from stealing that game. So I, I, I'm, I, I want to be hesitant here because I don't want people to jump down my throat, but let's, let's be honest. You know, it was kind of gifted to them a little bit. I mean, it's a great team, and it's a great win. Don't get me wrong, but, you know, we know the reality there. And then the Denver game, which was just an ugly game all the way around, which felt like it was one of, one of the two teams was going to have to win that game. And Denver certainly never took it from them. I mean, no question. Not, you know, so this was a game where the, when things were on the line, the Colts were able to make the plays necessary to take the win away. 
and and kudos to them for that. And I thought, listen, at the end of that game, and this is part of this is because it's Jacksonville. Don't get me wrong, but I think a really good point was made this morning. Somebody called in our show and said they felt like when the Colts got the ball back after Lawrence had taken the Jaguars down and killed nine and a half minutes and scored. The Colts were only down a point, and you really did feel pretty comfortable with the way their passing game was going and the rhythm Matt Ryan was in, that they were going to get themselves at the very least in field goal range. And, you know, listen, kudos to them for throwing that touchdown pass. But um, I, I just thought they, when it came down to it, the Colts exerted themselves and did what they had to do to take that game from Jacksonville. And that, from a confidence and just from a – an establishment of who they are, I think, was really important. So, Jay Query, The Morning Show, Kevin and Query, weekday morning, 7 until 10 a.m. here on 93.5 and 107.5. The fan is with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Buffalo Wild Wings, we are in Carmel today, 146 streets. Also with our friends from Zinc and Bud Light. You know, when you watch that final touchdown pass play to Alec Pierce, you notice there was a lot going on in that play. I, I documented this earlier. Considering the uh, officiating crew that we were talking about, I was surprised that there was not a roughing the passer call because there was a low hit as Ryan delivered that as perfectly as you could. And then when you look at Alec Pierce and Shaquille Griffin going at it with the hand fighting and then for Pierce to get that separation at the end and haul it home, there was a lot of beauty and a lot of stuff going on in that one single pass play itself. Totally agree. Um, I think Matt Ryan said it well when he essentially said that when it comes to Alec Pierce, he is very confident in his ability to get that separation. And what I think makes Alec Pierce unique as a receiver, aside from being a rookie and being able to do that, he's able to get separation twice, if that makes sense, John. He can get separation at the line with just his burst off the line, but then his ability to separate from the defender by, I'm not saying push off, by getting himself his body strength and control to get himself space and then, you know, take a ball away. This guy, Pittman is a great player. And Pittman is, I think, Jeff Saturday agreed, or or excuse me, disagreed with me a little bit this morning when I said that I think Pittman was becoming a focal part, you know, the focal part of their offense because when Ryan is able to go to Pittman with regularity over the middle, it kind of, opens everybody else back up. And Jeff Saturday was saying he thinks that's still Jonathan Taylor. I get that. It's hard to argue that. But I think Pierce's emergence has a lot to do with Pittman's ability to allow it because Pittman is taking such a high amount of attention over the middle that it's freeing guys up. But, look, Pierce has to be able to make those plays and get that separation, and he's able to do it to a level that, for this early in his career, not a lot of guys have done. Most of the guys as receivers that had this kind of impact this early on are guys that were around for a long time. And it's a real encouraging thing for Indianapolis. I realize that, you know, six games does not a season nor a career make, but he's off to obviously the kind of start that they envisioned for him. Got off to a little bit of a slow start, but I think at this point you'd have to say, based on the last couple of weeks, he might even be ahead of where you wanted him to be at this point. So, you know, he's encouraging for certain. All right, and we'll get to coming up next in Nashville in in just a second with Jay Query with us. 
offensive line-wise, I like it. They had that extra, extra time to prepare because of that Thursday night game. And I was screaming on Thursday night at the half of, of trying to go with some tempo. I was screaming with, you know, shorter routes because the offensive line just is not able to handle it. And they still may not be able to. So a variation of what we saw yesterday, and I know Frank said earlier today that this is not sustainable. And while I understand that, I think you're going to have to go with a variation because there's still not legit proof that this offensive line can't protect as long as, as this offense before we saw the offense yesterday would like to think it can. You know what I mean? There's still no evidence of it. And we really saw the way that this offense went yesterday help out that offensive line protection-wise immensely. Yeah, I think their offensive scheme, great point by you. I think the scheme they came up with probably helped out the offensive line as much as anything else. But I have just always felt like from an offensive line standpoint, you need to have continuity in terms of players understanding and recognizing what those around them are doing. And that camaraderie is as important oftentimes as it is the level of talent. I mean, don't get me wrong. You can't deny if you've got five guys that are hall of fame linemen on your line, you take that, but, but average to above average linemen can become very good linemen if they are surrounded by players that they have a camaraderie and a unity with. And for whatever reason, that group yesterday seemed to have it. Now, I don't know what took so long in being able to make that change on the left side and getting Kelly in there. I know that they were waiting for him to be healthy. I get that, but it seemed as though he was ready to go even earlier. But they, they played well. Part of that, though, John, to your point, I think you're trying to make here is, or that you have said, is you have to be cautious of over having overconfidence, if you will, in that group moving forward if you're not going with that hurry up. You know, how much of that was related to the schematics and how much of that was related to the camaraderie and, and the group that you had on the, the field. That's what they're going to have to figure out. And if it was strictly the schematics of the hurry-up, then guess what? You, you, then you've entered into the Colts that we've known in the past, which is playing predominantly hurry-up. If that's what they got to do, that's what they got to do. Well, I, I think there's probably going to have to be some variation, and we saw that yesterday. We've seen the king of the crossers is Michael Pittman Jr., and, and you can make an argument that that third down catch that got them that first down and uh, put them down in legitimate field goal range, besides Alec Pierce and that game clincher was the biggest play to be in the game. Oh, I don't think there's any question. And he, listen, when, and by the way, John this morning told me that I say the word listen too much, and so now I'm hyper aware of it, and I do, so I apologize. <laughs> I'm trying to cut down on saying the word listen. That's like my... That's my crutch phrase. You and I talked earlier today, John, about how we all have kind of that, that crutch phrase that we rely on. Yeah. Us. So, John, I'm, I'm working on it. I really am working on that. But yeah, Pittman, I, yeah I, I get that sometimes. I haven't gotten it in a while because I, like you, would also, if somebody were to say that to me, I would probably go, oh, okay, well, hell, now I'm not going to be able to say that. My wife, oh, yeah. my it, wife would do I that to me all the time. It would just completely piss me off. Yeah. I, I actually appreciate people pointing it out because – in his, in the case of John this morning, he's absolutely right. I, no doubt about it. And so I, you know, I want to get better. And so I've got to work on that, but Pittman to me, what he did yesterday that I thought was just so important. And it's funny to say it about a guy like Matt Ryan, who 
surpassed Dan Marino yesterday on the all-time passing yardage list. So that shows you the experience and the talent level of a Matt Ryan. Even with that, all quarterbacks need their crutch phrase. They all need that word they fall back on that they say too much, like listen. And in the case of Matt Ryan, he needed that player to be Michael Pittman yesterday, where each time to get in, Matt Ryan is a rhythm, he's a rhythm shooter, man. And we've all seen games where Steph Curry, the ball wasn't falling for him, but he kept shooting until those shots start coming in, and then holy cow, look out. And I think the same can be said for Matt Ryan. If you can get Matt Ryan in rhythm and you can get him comfortable, then all of a sudden, holy cow, look out, he can start rolling a little bit. And I think Michael Pittman was the guy that provided that comfort level for him yesterday that allowed that rhythm to start going. And it was great to see. I think Michael Pittman Jr. is has really – I mean, we knew he was, a, a, you know, obviously a great player, but he was that was his best outing yesterday. And it was exactly what they needed because it is my opinion, I'm not saying it's right, but it's my opinion and observation that when Pittman is rolling like that, that then frees everything else up. And if I'm Alec Pierce and I'm Paris Campbell, Michael Pittman Jr. yesterday absolutely worked his way onto my Christmas card list because that frees everything else up off of it, which is huge, in particular in a game when you don't have Jonathan Taylor, who's your most dynamic threat on the field for you. Jay Quay, the morning show is with us. Um, away from yesterday's game, we'll move forward to Nashville in just a second. But speaking of Music City, they got the okay to build a new stadium. And I had thought that it was going to be one and done for a Super Bowl for Andy anyway. Does this not even more solidify that fact now moving forward when Nashville gets this new stadium, right? And uh, Super Bowl-wise, there you go. Correct, and no more Indy. That's, that was always been my thought, but uh, I think it's even more so now with that news today. I think that's fair. I don't know that Indianapolis necessarily wanted to push all in again on getting another Super Bowl anytime soon for a number of reasons, um, but it didn't seem to me like the, the – I don't want to speak for the Super Bowl committee or what would be a, a redo of that, but it seems to me like yeah. they were kind of aware that that – listen, it, see, there I go again um, – <laughs> it was great. I mean, everything was perfect. Everything. It almost felt like, John, when you're talking about February Indianapolis weather, you don't want to have to test that again because it was so perfect. It was the walk-off. Yeah. Of all, and I get why people would want to have it again. I have not seen, I will be curious to see, maybe it's out there, what the public subsidy dollars are, go, You know what the amount is going into a new stadium for the Titans. I am – Rob Kendall and I are spirit animals in this regard. If you listen to, to Rob in the midday on WIBC, I know that he is very opposed to public subsidy for sports venues, as am I. I I'm not saying not at all, but I think there should be a cap on it. I realize the importance of sports in this community, and I'm thankful that it allows us to have very enjoyable jobs and for people to have something to, to civically rally around. I understand the importance of sports here. But I'm curious the amount that is going into it because how old is Nissan Stadium? 25 years old? 24 years old? It is amazing to me to think that we are already – what year is this for Lucas Oil Stadium? This year 
15? Oh, is it f- 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 oh, 17? 09? Oh, 08 or 09? Oh, so you're 14, maybe. 13 or 14. Which okay. means it's already 50% the age that the RCA Dome was when we imploded it. I don't think Lucas Oil Stadium in any way, shape, or form. I've never heard a single rumbling that, that there would ever be talk about replacing it. But at what point do you start entering that arena? I just think it's kind of a dangerous precedent. But that state, all of that said, that stadium looks really nice that they're proposing in Nashville, and it's going to be right next to the area where the IndyCar track goes through. So I've seen that area, and I can tell you that is, it's kind of like that old stamping plant we have on, on our west side. It's an area in Nashville that absolutely will be welcomed to have something go in there. And then I would assume the current stadium becomes a park and expanded parking lot, but it's an area that they could definitely use some upgrade to. So in that regard, it's cool. And and just because yesterday, just because you asked and I want to put it this way, uh, Nissan stadium was erected in 1999. I just wanted to say erected, really. I didn't care. I could have said built, constructed, but I chose erected just because I wanted to. <laughs> 1999. <laughs> well, I think before that, didn't they play in Memphis and then they played at Vanderbilt? The, uh, the old played, Houston Oilers, they were all over the map there in Tennessee for a while. Yeah. Were they watching Phoebe Cates coming out of the pool in 1999? Is that what happened? Yeah, they were in Memphis. They played at the Liberty Bowl then, and then played at Vanderbilt. So, in the Nissan Stadium in 1999. All right, um, we know this: that Jim Mercy has been very outspoken, and he was before that first Tennessee game here, incredibly disappointing with the loss. Uh, Very outspoken about how he wants to see his team beat the Titans. How much of that do you think? I've called it smitten. I've called it a little bit of jealousy. How much do you think that that is the true case with the Colts owner, considering the success, the most recent success Tennessee's had, and how he's kind of wanted not just that success, but really this is how this Colts team is supposed to play, kind of like they play in Nashville. They were built. Is it smitten? Is it a little bit of jealousy with the Colts owner there, you think? I think the blueprint is there that he sees on what he would love to recapture for his franchise, no question. When the AFC South was first formed for a brief moment there, the Titans were the team to beat. They came in here, and I I think the Colts brass has always, Jim Mercer included, certainly Bill Pullian, I think they've always felt a slight on the number of fans that were here rooting for the Titans in the first ever home playoff game in the history of this franchise. And I know this franchise has had a billion great things happen to it since then, but I don't know that you ever forget your first slight. And I think that Jim Mercer kind of feels like that was, and it was the divisional foe, which made it worse. And then the Colts took over the division and owned it for so long that I think it's been very surreal and bizarre for him to see another franchise take that back. So yeah, yeah. especially considering they play the way that the Colts have always prided themselves on what they're building. Going back now, not just this GM, but the one before. Winning in the trenches, punchy in the mouth, being strong, being built for January, you know, run the damn ball, all of that. All of those things that the Colts have preached, the Titans have executed. And that has to, to still sting a little bit. 
Yeah, yesterday it was throw the damn ball. Jay Quarry joins us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Before I let you go, uh, both Joe Wrights and Bill Brooks told me this yesterday, and I'm kind of curious where you, you are on this, because normally we think that coming off a bye week is, you know, a bit of an advantage for a team like Tennessee. But they explained that maybe it can be a disadvantage because these guys bail out, get out of football mode, and it's tough to restart that once you get out of it the, the week leading back up to that next game. You buy that? Now say that one more time. They, they say that it's almost opposite as far as the advantage is concerned, that the, the disadvantage is more having the bye week and coming back from it because you have to restart, not so much an advantage because you had that week off to get healthy and feel better. Yeah, I, listen, I will, I will obviously defer to what guys who have gone through it have said, but I could see that. I, you know, John, I took one day off. I was off on Friday. And my buddy Mike Byron and I did our annual road trip that we do each year to memorialize our buddy Turhan. And I was gone. I mean, we, I went down to New Orleans and had a beer with Eric Ritchie. And then we, you know, Byron and I got up and, and took off on Saturday morning. And, and I was gone for two days. And even with that, getting up this morning and going into work, while I loved doing it and while we had a lot to talk about and it was fun, it's still kind of a reset. You still kind of have to get your mind right to go back into work. And that was after one day off and, and basically a three day quote unquote vacation, two of them on a weekend. So I can't imagine what it's like to go through the rigors of the NFL and then all of a sudden have to reset yourself to get back. I do think from a physical standpoint, there is something to be said for allowing your body to recover. But at the same time, sometimes it's easier to just keep going, right? Just keep, keep, keep rolling, keep rolling, keep rolling, keep rolling. So I will trust that those guys probably are right, that it, that it is a it can be a tough reset. Now, I've always felt like the advantage for the Colts is when they have the bye week later in the year, because that's the time when you are most likely to have the nagging injuries that you need to take care of and get your body right. But getting your mind right is a big battle of it in the NFL. And I think when you look at veterans in the NFL, a lot of them will tell you that the biggest challenge of the NFL, aside from how you feel on Tuesday getting out of bed in the morning or Monday is just having your mind right and keeping yourself psychologically in it. I think it's why Tony Dungy used to break the season down into quarters so that it didn't feel like the long, arduous sled ride that it, that it is and that it was. You know, hey, I know that, you're you, – you, Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Well, uh, did Finish you see that the Carson Wentz – I saw Carson Wentz may miss some time with this yeah. finger injury which is not to bring up Carson Wentz. I know it's a sour subject here, but that does have relevance for the Colts, right? Because of the draft pick involved. Yes. So, you know, you, the, the one guy that they don't want to have, like, sitting out and getting healthy, and, and that's exactly what's going to happen, it looks like. By the way, in southern Indiana, it's Fanger and not Finger. Remember that. <laughs> Fanger, not Finger. Hey, I, before I let you go quickly, you went to Baton Rouge and then to Oxford over the weekend. Did you visit the film Filming locations of the toy, the film, the toy in the early eighties while you were in Baton Rouge. I remember the film, the toy did not see the the locations. If had I known, I probably definitely would have had a thought of it. I will tell you LSU's campus and and university of Mississippi, both are beautiful. I mean, beautiful campus. Like, you know, I know IU's got a beautiful campus and produced that a lot with theirs, but those two schools, I, I thought to myself, man, you know, with the the two two that I pulled coming out of North Central High School, my my options were limited. 
uh, Ole Miss probably could have been in play for me, but I took one look at that campus and thought, man, if I'd have senior in high school, I probably would have come here. It was beautiful. Yeah, yep. You didn't go by and see where they filmed because you remember the Jackie Gleason's character was U.S. Bates. And they called him U.S. U.S. Oh, Bates. Yeah. Master Bates, too. They called him Master all the time. That was, I, I love little. I, the people don't remember that, and it probably wouldn't go very well nowadays, right? But back then, I thought that was a pretty good film. And obviously, Richard Pryor is one of my all-time favorites, regardless. Oh, Pryor was great in it. Pryor was absolutely great in it, man. And that was, that was what, probably a year or two before Brewster's Millions, right? That would have been the pious. Yeah, yeah. Brewster's Millions, I think, was 80, 83. This, I'd have to look. This may have been the first, I'm trying to think. Was this the first film, or was Stir Crazy the first film after he burned himself? It might have been Stir Crazy the first film after he burned himself, but this is pretty close, right? This is when he really went into, hey, I've lost a lot of money. I've got to make some of this back. And, you know, into the 80s and the late 80s, he was making anything, you know, condition critical and moving and all that stuff. He was, he was making anything back then. But this, this is I liked a great deal. It had Jackie Gleason in it. Can't go wrong. <laughs> Jackie Gleason. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine the bingo card you could have won if you would have known that ahead of time that Jackie Gleason and Richard yeah. Pryor would make a movie together? It's, it's awesome, man. It is. All right. Kevin and Quarry, weekday morning, 7 until 10 a.m. here on The Fan. Let's go host Jake Cray with us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. All right, man. Good to have you back, and uh, we'll talk at you later on this week. Appreciate it. Rick Carlisle, Alec Pierce on with us tomorrow morning, John. Thanks. I got you. Rick Carlisle, who listens to the JMV Takeover, and Alec Pierce. That is coming up tomorrow on the morning show, 7 until till 10 a.m. here on The Fan. Hey, we're live at Buffalo Wild Wings in Carmel, 146th Street. Quick break, and we'll come back a Blue Monday with our friends from Bud Light and Buffalo Wild Wings. I've got tickets to give away for the Eagles-Colts game and an autographed Colts helmet as well. All coming up live in Carmel with 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. Bullish Brands hanging and banging with you until the 8 o'clock hour. Coming up, we have artists such as Living Color and the Fine Young Cannibals right now. Here's Roxette, The Look, 89.9 WROL. 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Oh, he has stepped it up a great deal. Wasn't a great day at all for the run defense, but DeForest Buckner getting up in there again for the sack. Colts win yesterday, and now you got a showdown coming up on Sunday in Nashville versus the Titans. The Titans had a bye week. Colts over the Jaguars yesterday. We're talking about it with you live from Buffalo Wild Wings. We're in Carmel on 146th Street. Of course, Bud Light is also along with us, too. And thank you, Buffalo Wild Wings, for having us each and every Monday. we got an autographed Colts helmet to give away and Eagles versus Colts tickets as well coming up here at 6 o'clock. Now, Rick writes this. How about a big shout-out to Amanda, the general manager at Buffalo Wild Wings here in Carmel. Where's Amanda? Is Amanda around anywhere? Amanda, the general manager? Now, this just came to me via Twitter. She's there right now. She's been at Buffalo Wild Wings for over 20 years. Are you Amanda? Oh, well, hold on a second. Here, grab this really quick. I got a minute because somebody... Rick, who's listening right now, wanted to give you a shout-out. 20 years, 16 years here, I believe. Both of us are big fans of the show. Hi, Amanda. How Hi. are you? I'm good. How so are you? So, wait a minute. I may have mixed up a little. How long have you been with Buffalo Wild Wings altogether? 
2005. 2005? Yeah. Well done. How long have you been at this location? Um, I opened up the store, and then I was here, and then I transferred up to Logansport. Gotcha. Then I've been back for a couple of years yeah, now. you got to double back from Logansport, so, right? Yes. So you got to get back here <laughs> in a quick minute. Hey, thank you very much for thank listening. Thank you. Thank you and Rick, who dropped that information in. What do you guys got going on later? Great food and Monday Night Football, right? Great food, Monday Night Football. Yeah, absolutely. Amanda, thank you very much thank for being you. a great listener to the show. Thanks for having us today, thank too. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. That thank is you. Amanda right there, a long-timer with Buffalo Wild Wings. Rick, thank you. For that info via Twitter at JMV1070, Roar asked me this. Thank you again, Amanda. Uh, what was more surprising yesterday, JMV? Zero sacks or zero interceptions? Easily zero sacks. Easily that. And I love what they did offensively. Even if it's not a long-term solution, hopefully they find a more longer-term viable solution because, let's face it, throwing it 58 times is not it for Matt Ryan. But it got you a win. Maybe it gets them going down the right path here. Again, I think you take variations of that offensive effort yesterday and put it to good use moving forward. That means the shorter routes, the quicker rhythm. And a shout-out to Dennis Kelly for getting in there. I thought he played his butt off yesterday. I did. Listen, I know I'd have to ask Rick Venturi exactly the level in which he played, but didn't hear much of a mention other than a holding call. I think you'll take it. And considering they had to go to him as early as they did in for the rookie Ryman, and they haven't given him a shot, and you kind of wondered why. In fact, he even wondered why. Fantastic effort yesterday. Colts win over Jacksonville, and uh, they get Nashville. I should say they get Tennessee down in Nashville coming up on Sunday. We'll get to that. Stephen Holder of ESPN.com is going to join us coming up at the top of the hour. Buffalo Wild Wings in Carmel on 146th Street. It's a celebration Monday. If you guys want to jump on board, talk about the wind, talk about your expectations, or a lot of you have been calling me out for not being patient enough. Hey, numbnuts, it's been, it was like, this was week six. How patient do you want me to be? So how many weeks in a row do I have to go, oh, it's okay, whatever. Whatever happens, <laughs> I mean, come on. We react to every single game. This is the reality response to this game, much like it was after week one, after week two. Well, you got to be patient. Be patient. patient. Now, listen, and what's funny about it is those that are talking junk right now about how wrong I was and how right you are, I have a much greater sample size than you do. Keep that in mind. Just celebrate the win. That's all you got to do. 239-1070. Your phone calls are more. Stephen Holder, top of the hour. 93-5107. fan. The Ride with JMV. One, is this or is this not the XFL? Yes, it is. Two, do I or do I not currently have a pulse? Yes, I do. Let's play football. 93-5 and 107.5. The Fan. Empty set now for Matt Ryan. Two receivers right, three bunch to the left. That's the wide side of the field. Ryan waiting on a shotgun snap. He takes it. Backs to throw, looking left. Fires that way into the end zone. High point of the ball is Jelani Woods. He's got it. Touchdown. I-N-D-Y. One more for the big tight end. And the Colts have the lead. Matt Taylor on the call right there. Part of the Colts Radio Network. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live. I'm waving at everybody right there. At JMV1070 on Twitter. 
Colts win yesterday over Jacksonville at home, 3-2-1 and one now. And that's going to set up a showdown as the Titans on a bye week last week in Nashville. That is coming up on Sunday. The Colts and the Titans. Buffalo Wild Wings and Carmel, 146th Street. We are here with you, giving you a chance to win Eagles Colts tickets coming up for that game in November. And an autographed Colts helmet as well. A shout-out to Jonathan, who is out here. I see Paul and Billy over there as well. If you're looking for Jason Hatfield, he's in the can right now. (laughs) <laughs> You're, I, 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 I just gotta let everybody know when the significant other walks in that your dude's in the can right now he'll be right out in a matter of seconds meantime andy moore automotive group hotline from espn.com Stephen holder joins us i'm a full service show right here Stephen. you know what i mean if a husband oh, goes to the I- can if a husband knows that I'll make sure the wife is looking around and wondering where he is, he's just in the can. And I appreci- I'm sure he appreciates you telling not just her, but all of the listening audience. I, I bet he appreciates that. Well, I mean, and I know this. I mean, Jason, Jason had feels a little bit older. And much like me, I think he's probably got to go to the bathroom more often than he used to. Well, I I mean, just keep going. I'm sure Jason is loving it. Just keep going. He's loving it. All right. I want to to start right here with you because I heard Frank say earlier today that what they did yesterday, the 58 passing attempts and all that, that's not sustainable in the volume in which we saw yesterday. And I I completely agree. They they did that in that that mini bye week, that longer time they had. And I thought that really it worked out perfectly for what they needed to jumpstart this offense yesterday. However, I would ask you, because I asked you this last week as well, I've been really wanting to see something like this. Can they take variations of what we saw yesterday and make that longer term, certainly if not 58 passing attempts in your know the tempo in which they played full time but can they take variations of it and be good with it and utilize that moving forward yes you definitely can you you can't maybe do it to that extent as you said every single week and I think there are reasons for that I can outline them but definitely depending on the matchup depending on the situation and the game plan I absolutely think they may have found something here and so I'll just say this I, I think there's a lot of people who maybe think, well, why can't we just do it all the time? And you've probably already hit on this, but but if you're asking, that was covered today. And the reason is a couple of things. Number one, as Michael Pittman Jr. told me, he's like, I was exhausted. <laughs> okay, yeah, So that's right. the first thing. You just can't keep up that pace, right? They had, I think, uh, 74 plays. There's a lot of plays, okay? Uh, the Jaguars had about 58. So it's a big difference. That's the first thing. But bigger than that is – you know, when, when you run the no huddle, what you do is you prevent the defense from substituting. So if they're out there with three linebackers and you're spread out, well, now they're in trouble. They can't substitute. But the other side of that is you also can't substitute you, the offensive team. So you've got to roll with whatever receivers you've got or whatever running back you've got. Now, if you plan for it, you can make it work. So I think that is what you saw yesterday. They went into it with that intent. And so they went in there with a, a, a lineup that was versatile enough to kind of run different types of plays and maybe switch their formations up a little bit. It just locks you in a little bit more when you don't change your personnel. Right. And so that's the problem. But I'm with you. I think they have something here, and, and they are a rhythm offense. 
and they've got to find rhythm. They are a rhythm offense that hasn't had a rhythm till Sunday. Uh, Stephen Holder of ESPN.com, he does join us. Did did they say, was he, I know he was okay with it, I guess, and they're not going to continue to do it, but did they have intentions on throwing the football 58 times as it went down yesterday? I I don't know if they if they thought it would be that high of a number, but they definitely had a a passing game. Well, let me put it this way: a pass first offensive game plan. Put it that way. And and I think when you look at the situation, maybe we shouldn't be surprised by that, right? I mean, they had they had no Jonathan Taylor, they had no Naheem Hines, so your running game was certainly going to be hamstrung. Look, Deion Jackson did a good job. I thought overall, but most of his damage was done in the passing game. Honestly, you know, he had a couple of impressive runs, but it's not as though he had some dominant rushing performance. Right. So they, I think they knew particularly against Jacksonville with that defensive front, which is really, really good. And we already knew that because we saw it in week two. I think they knew there wasn't a lot of sense in banging their heads against the wall. And that's the thing I will say about this coaching staff. I'll give them credit for this the last couple of weeks. There's lots of room for criticism. But the one thing they've done the last couple of weeks that I, I think they deserve credit for is they have been willing to just throw things out and try something else. And, and that's desperation in, in part, right? I understand that. Uh, but last week, go back to the offensive line. They didn't have the right combination, but they said, we don't care if we don't have practice this week. They only had two days of actual work. They said, screw it. We don't care. We're throwing out three different positions on the offensive line on three days rest out on the road at Denver. They just, they went for it, right? They didn't work, but they yeah. tried something. I, I appreciate that. And then this week, they really just took a completely different approach offensively uh, and had great success in doing it. So that's open-mindedness, and that is a willingness to be versatile, and you got to do that. I think that's what it takes when you're struggling. What was the uh, tipping point? to make that change at left tackle, which turned out to be a good change now. And we'll talk a little bit more about the day Dennis Kelly had yesterday. But, you know, he'd been he'd been wondering himself why he wasn't getting an opportunity. It came so quickly yesterday. What was the final straw? Why did they make why did they make that change as early as they made that change? So the story, as it is told to me, is that they they intended to rotate Ryman and Dennis Kelly. Now, I don't. I'd have to go back and look at the tape, and I haven't had a chance to do that yet. But I, I don't know if Ryman was, was struggling as much as he was in Denver. I don't think that's true necessarily. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think they pulled him necessarily because, all right, get him out of there. He's not playing well. plan was to rotate. Now, what happened is <laughs> Kelly got in there. Two things happened. Number one, he was playing well, and they had a rhythm on offense. I, I think they just realized, screw it. You know, and, and I think that's what you that's another example, right? That's what you gotta be willing to do. You can't worry about, you know, feelings or how it's gonna look or you know, what do you what about next week? I mean, you gotta do what you gotta do to win today. And that's that's a good example of it. And again, I don't I, I give them some benefit of the doubt when they say it wasn't that Ryman was playing poorly and rather that Kelly was just in a groove and it was working. And they just said, why broke it? Why fix it if it's not broke? And I think that's what happened. I mean, he played pretty well from the naked eye. And I, I think well, they'll have to decide on, on what they want to do there. Frank said yesterday, Frank Reich said they do want to, to give Ryman some room to grow there. 
But I don't know. That may be a luxury they don't have right now, you know. And I was well, in favor of yeah. it. I, I was in favor of it. I was just, I'll just finish with this. I was in favor of that, letting him settle in and go through the growing pains, but not if there's a better option, you know. And then maybe they have a better option. Yeah. You know, see, I would have to disagree because I think left tackle rotation is stupid. So I'm, <laughs> I'm glad that Kelly, no, I guess, I separated you, I himself yeah. because I think it's stupid. I hate it. No, I agree. I, that's what I'm saying. Like I, before yeah. Kelly came in the picture, my idea was, all right, look, Ryman's going to be probably a little rough in patches, okay? But yeah. I was, I, my goal was, or my position, I should say, was, you know what? He'll get better. He's got potential. He's, he's athletic. Let him grow, okay? Let him push through it. And, and Matt Ryan will just have to figure it out. But, again, that was before, you know, we, we – we had Dennis Kelly coming into the picture. I, I wasn't really sure how much of a factor he might be at left tackle. I didn't know if he was more of a right tackle or a left tackle, but I'm, I'm glad they did it. And honestly, it's like I said just now, you, you got to do what you got to do to win. And if he's the better option, then just play the guy. Stephen Holder of ESPN.com is on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So tell me this. Do you think the upgrade and clearly no sacks and it was the best we've seen consistently this old line play certainly so far this year. Was that a product of this offensive line getting better and Kelly being a part of it or the quick rhythm and the tempo in which they played? What was more yesterday? That's a good question. It's, it's hard to tell, but I, I do think that Ryan played with more confidence in part because the offensive line was more stable. And, and that's the thing. I mean, Matt Ryan has looked bad at times. I mean, You've all seen it. It has been hard to watch at times. But I see a guy, or I have seen in previous weeks, I saw a guy who just had no confidence in his offensive line. It doesn't mean that he didn't screw up as well. He did. There's no question. But I saw a guy who was just playing with happy feet, uncomfortable, doesn't trust his protection, and trying to do too much, playing from behind. I mean, that's just a disaster scenario. I don't care who you are. So – I guess what I'm saying is that with the offensive line calmed down and, and not as leaky, I think that's where it all starts because frankly, they still made some throws down the field yesterday that required them to hold up in protection. He got the ball out faster and that's a product of the game plan and his willingness to, to be decisive, Matt Ryan. But there's no question at the end of the day, you still got to protect they did that. They, they converted some long down and distance, and you can't do that without protection. So the, the big thing on the offensive line for me, the big thing is they have gotten, or at least yesterday, they got some stability at both tackle spots. Because Matt Ryan, I, I think he can see the pressure in front of him, but it's when you get that speed off the edge, he, he can't deal with that. Okay, He just cannot deal with that. And so that has been, I think, the bigger issue of late is just the speed that they've gotten off the edge. And so when you had at Denver, Matt Pryor giving up, I think, nine pressures at right tackle, well, what in the world is Matt Ryan, immobile as he is, going to do with that? And then you had, obviously, Ryman getting beat at left tackle by a very good pass rusher in Bradley Chubb, right? So yesterday you get two speed demons, okay, with, with Jacksonville, Josh Allen, Trevon Walker, two really good players. And you know what? So what? <laughs> they handled it, right? That's what it's all about, man. And, and I think that when you've got a quarterback who, who's able to see the field like Matt Ryan, 
just give them some time, man. And they, they have a chance to get this offense going. We discovered so much about this offense that we had no idea about yesterday. What if they can build on that, right? Yeah, and then Stephen Holder joins us. It's a good point you make about that. How, listen, maybe I'm wrong about this. I felt the only time that they really went deep with a deep shot was that touchdown pass at the end of the game to Alec Pierce. Is, am I accurate with that? And was that by design because of the lack of protection, because of the tempo in which they're going? Or do they not feel comfortable with taking those shots down the field with Ryan? Is there any what would what, be more, I guess, of those three, those three uh, uh, multiple choice answers? Which one would be the most accurate in your assessment? Yeah, so a, a couple of comments. I think that I'm, I'm looking for the the play chart here. So they got some they got some good distance on, or I should say, some good gains on some of their plays, some of their passes. Uh, looking at it here, they had well, this is 32. But other than that, they had a 22 yarder was their longest. I guess uh, that was, but that was a that was a check down to Jackson, right? So Jackson had a 22 yeah. and a 20. So well, here's here's what they did, and this is what I was going to say, and this kind of confirms it. They got some decent gains but they were run after the catch. And right. that's a that's actually a good thing because I think they have guys capable of that. Uh, I think a good example is what they have in Kylan Granson, right? And he's a guy who, if you throw it to him in the right spot, now he may not go make some acrobatic, difficult catch, but if you throw it to him in stride and you get him going across the field on those tight end drags, he can he can move. Okay, you get him lined up on a linebacker, he can run away from that guy. And the same thing uh, with Pierce, for example. They didn't get this yesterday, but they're starting to use him in the middle of the field more often. And he's showing some toughness in there, by the way, to his credit. But what if what if he gets a step on on somebody, and now he can run away from people? You know. So I think what they do by getting the ball out quickly is maybe you what you don't get in the air yardage, you can possibly potentially get. That was really weird right there. What the hell kind of sound was that? Was that Satan <laughs> hopping in on there, Kyle? What the hell happened there? <laughs> Did we just get hit by an asteroid? What the hell's going on with that? <laughs> uh, Kyle, are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. And then uh, I tried calling them back and went straight to uh, voicemail. So he well, he's probably still talking. Are you? Are we all still here? Did we just get hit by an asteroid? I got to call Bruce Willis. <laughs> I don't think I've been doing this show or pretty close to it for the better part of uh, 17, 18 years. And I don't think I've ever heard a sound like that. Back with us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Clearly, we were not hit by an asteroid. It's something cellular, so I guess. I, I, didn't hear <laughs> I don't know. What, what I don't know, but we just heard the weirdest sound. I thought, I thought, I said we either got hit by an asteroid or Satan intervened or something. Something was going on. I'd never heard a sound like that before. It was weird. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So we're okay. I don't know where where were we? Where were we right there? Go back. <laughs> Go back, backpedal about yeah. 15 seconds prior to calling this back and right. inform us what we, you were talking about. 
Yeah, so so what I was saying was what they didn't get maybe in in stretching the field with with the air yards, maybe they can get it with um, getting the, the yards after catch. You know, and I think they have the guys who are capable of that. I mean, you know, look at the guys they have. I mean, Pierce is certainly capable of that. Uh, Pittman is definitely capable of that. He's demonstrated that, I think, for three years. Uh, you've got Jelani Woods, I think, has some potential for that. Kylan Granson. So you've got a quarterback who can who can get the ball to people in stride and in rhythm. And then you have pass catchers who have the ability, the potential at least, to get some yards after the catch. So so if you can't protect, do the next best thing. <laughs> get the ball to, to guys quicker and let them do the work on the other end. I think either one gets you where you want to go, right? Now, ultimately – you're going to need some explosive plays at times, particularly if you get coverages that encourage it. And, and I think that at least we saw them do that on that last touchdown to Pierce. So, so they have that ability too, but I think they're, they're more likely to get the big plays the other way. It's uh, Stephen Holder of ESPN.com on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. He talked about that offensively in that final play with Alec Pierce going over the top like that on that one-on-one coverage. Uh, really, and I'm sure you've probably done this, if you go back and watch that play a number of times, there were some really interesting things going on. First of all, I was really surprised that that particular officiating crew did not throw a flag for roughing the passer as low as that hit on Ryan was. He still got the ball off, and you can I'll, I'll give you everything, and you can just go ahead and talk about that play in general in just a second. But I, it, the ball was perfectly thrown, even with that low hit. And then the hand fighting that was going on for Pierce to finally get separation from Shaquille Griffin, it was amazing to watch the play within the play materialize to make that touchdown. It really was. Yeah, if if, if the listeners haven't seen it, it, it's on my Twitter feed. You can go find it. I have the coach's film version of that play. So you can see the whole overview, everything you're talking about. And I I think that I'll start with the, the hit on Matt Ryan. I think that I have seen that exact play flagged so many times. I mean, it looks like the kind of call that you see against Tom Brady every week. (laughs) I mean, I was stunned. I was kind of stunned. I didn't see it live, but then seeing it later, I really was stunned that that wasn't called. I mean, that is, I thought that's exactly the kind of play they're trying to legislate to get the the low hits out on the quarterback. Uh, I mean, that's how you blow a knee out, frankly. And where would we be after that happens, right? So a uh, whole other conversation. Anyway, uh, on, the, on the perimeter with Pierce, love it. Because here's the thing. I, I love his description of it. We talked to him in the locker room, and he, he was talking about how, you know, he, he'd been working on getting off of his press, you know, getting off of press coverage. And one of the things that Reggie Wayne and others have been trying to impart on him is to be patient. And so what I mean by that is, you know, you, you envision dealing with press coverage as being like, you know, get, being really fast off of the line so that they can't get hands on you and, and maybe eluding that press. Instead, what he did was he didn't immediately uh, give, give the indication that he's going deep. He kind of gave him a stutter step and, and made him have to kind of hesitate to kill Griffin, the corner, and, and then was patient about it and then – Based on Shaquille Griffin's reaction, he was able to, to find some space and go around him. And I think that's exactly what you want. You want a guy who, who understands and matchups. He understands matchups. And, and I love what he said. He told me 
after the game, he said, you know, that's my favorite part of the game is the one-on-one matchup. That guy is, is quiet and he's kind of unassuming, right? But let me tell you something. Uh, the people who scouted him, and someone reinforced this to me yesterday, he said he is one of the most competitive guys they've ever seen, one of the most competitive guys they've ever scouted. So that should tell you something about what you're dealing with there. It doesn't come across when you talk to him. It doesn't even come across when you watch him necessarily. But that guy, he wants all the smoke. And I, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm sold. He has sold me the last couple of weeks. I wasn't sure about this kid, but he is getting better and better, and he is not afraid. Rodney McLeod in that secondary had a really nice afternoon. Was that a product of the running game going wild against this Colts defense, or was he just literally all over the field making plays? I think it's the latter. I think it's him being all over the field. Uh, they do have to clean up those run fits, and, and guys have to make sure they're in their lanes. That's an execution problem, I think. So that's a that's a good thing. If it's going to happen, you want it to be an execution problem that you can address. Now, on, on McLeod, I think I, so we talked to him today, in fact, and one of the things I asked him was, you know, how much of this is just you being an experienced and smart player and just anticipating things? Uh, it, a lot of it is, he said. You know, he's seen every every formation. He's seen every sort of uh, offensive alignment, attack, every, every you know, pre- snap motion he's seen it all and there was a play that I don't know if anyone remembers it and I can't remember if it was a third down or not but there's a play where they try to run a screen and McLeod's got a an offensive lineman bearing down on him he dives below below the block and dives and makes the tackle with one hand it was just a spectacular play spectacular and I think really that's just a guy who has a good feel for how to defeat a block and, and understands leverage and, and all the things that that have nothing to do with just being, um, you know, a, a, a good athlete. It goes beyond that. And I thought that was a great example of a veteran using everything at his disposal to make a big play. Yeah, and in the the whole the running game thing does got to be cleaned up a, a great deal. Yeah. Did they have full confidence, by the way, in Chase McLaughlin if they were going to have to go for fifty? I mean, I think he's earned that. I mean, I'm not saying I'm not saying he's Justin Tucker. I'm not saying, yeah. you know, just uh, take a knee. But uh, yeah, I, I, honestly, I think the fact that they took that shot it tells me that they were confident. Because frankly, if you're not confident, don't you just try to eke out a couple more yards and just make it a little easier? Well, if you're gonna if you're gonna take that deep shot, you're, you're, that's a low percentage play, right? You're you're telling yourself, okay. This could well be incomplete, and we're just going to line up and kick it from here. So that tells me you feel pretty good about the kicker. Well, and, and then I think two plays prior, they were trying to get that extra yardage. That was after one of the bigger plays of the game, if yeah. not the biggest outside of that touchdown catch, was Michael Pittman Jr. moving the chains on that third down catch on that crosser. But they, they tried that running play where it, clearly Quentin Nelson was going to pull, and Quentin Nelson actually stepped on the foot of Ryan and tackled him for that four-yard loss. That was a bad, bad moment to have that happen. Oh, man, that was a Murphy's Law moment, right? You know, it's like yeah. whatever can go wrong will go wrong. And I'm thinking this is the most Colts thing ever. <laughs> These yeah, guys no are going themselves out of field goal range here. <laughs> so, yeah, trust me, I, I think we all had a 
you've got to be kidding me uh, reaction to that one for sure. So Stephen Holder with us. All right, Tennessee round two coming up on Sunday. This is an absolute mammoth game um, considering the circumstances. And once again, I wonder if we're going to hear too much in social media from Jim Irsay this week. Because as we talked about leading up to that game a couple of weeks ago, that first round here in Indy, um, I, I, I call it smitten. Uh, some have mentioned jealous. But there is no doubt that he wants the results. And he loves the way that Mike Vrabel and loves the way Tennessee goes about their business. He wants this about as bad as he wants anything. You think we'll hear from him this week? Well, <laughs> I don't know. I think he, I, I think he has been a little more measured I would say you know in, in recent months I think the last time he really made a a really big statement was uh, maybe training camp you know when he started when he was talking about Tennessee uh, which is yeah. the conversation you're kind of talking about that's the last time I think he's he's made a, a really outspoken statement uh, so I, whether it's it's him just using judgment or whether it's the people around him being successful and <laughs> taking his phone away. I don't know, but, but he certainly is not, um, he certainly has not been timid behind the scenes. I can tell you that he has not been timid. And I think everybody knows where he stands behind the scenes. Let's just put it that way. Right. Uh, yeah. now, yesterday's win, I think helps and definitely takes some of the heat off. Uh, but, but he's been pretty worked up. Now, so whether he whether he communicates it publicly, I can't I can't forecast that. But make no mistake, uh, he's been lathered up behind the scenes. Yeah, well, there's no doubt about it, and I, I think that he doesn't want to make it worse. By you know, normally, yeah. normally we see I stuff did. when he's in a good mood, right? And obviously, not yeah. the end of last season, but normally now you see stuff. That's why I asked that because this yeah. really this is the first. This has you couldn't really even celebrate that much that Denver win because the level of play on both sides was so awful. So this was really the first legitimate outside of, you know, and Kansas city still came with kind of a disclaimer of that late flag that helped out the Colts a great deal. This was like the first one where the Colts just kind of grabbed it by the neck and took it. Yeah. I mean, it still ended up being a one score game, I guess, but, but I think you just felt better about, about the way they played. You know, you felt like, there was there were possibilities in the way that they played, and I'll tell you though. Listen, they have they have had a hell of a road, okay, so far. It's been it's been a long road. Let's be honest. I mean, I feel like I've aged here in the last uh, what six weeks. <laughs> but yeah. let me tell you, there are ten teams. There are ten five hundred teams in the NFL right now. I just went through and looked at this, and among them, okay, these are teams with a worse record than the Colts. We're talking about the Bucks, the Packers, the Rams. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of mediocrity right. out there, and they they're right there. They've just got, but we, they got to figure out who they are, and they got to go get it done. And and while you're accurate about that, I would say that their margin for error with who their quarterbacks are, and nothing against Matt Ryan, mm-hmm. and who their offenses are and can be, is a little bit larger than what you're dealing with here. So I mean, I think well, you've got to toe the line here, certainly teams. much more than they would have to. Correct. Yeah, well, the ceilings are higher for those other teams because of the quarterbacks, I would say. Yes, that is true. Um, but, I, I, yeah, so I'm, I'm not promising you that they're on the same footing. Trust me. <laughs> I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is that, you know, look, this is we're seeing parity like we've never seen before right now. And it's all out there. 
but but you got to figure out who you are and you have to show it and you got to prove it every single day um no matter where where you stand today hey steven i appreciate you very much so and uh next up i guess i'll see you uh, a week from sunday the press box with no carson wentz here that's too yeah. bad. No question. I mean, it's too bad for the the pick situation, and it's too bad because I really wanted to see that drama. I wanted to see a little bit of that soap opera. Too bad. Yeah, let's be so, honest. Uh, we, we all wanted to see how that was going to go. <laughs> oh, we did, buddy. We did. I appreciate you, man. Okay, take care. We'll see you. Stephen Holder of ESPN.com. Quick break, and we'll come back. Buffalo Wild Wings and Carmel, a great group on this Blue Monday. Got a chance for you to win Eagles-Colts tickets here for that November game and an autographed replica Colts helmet. All that coming up at 6 o'clock. 146, our location in Carmel today. Buffalo Wild Wings, also with our friends from Bud Light on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. Just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber, you go and do something like this. And totally redeem yourself! (laughs) 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, welcome back. I got a shout-out to Amanda and Buffalo Wild Wings in Carmel, man. This has been outstanding. J-Law is here. That's how you know it's a party. When the FUBAR president is in the house, you know that that is good here. 146 in Carmel. It's a blue Monday. Thank you to our friends from Bud Light as well. Got stuff to give away. I'll explain in a second. Meantime, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, hey, the Pacers are celebrating opening week presented by Kroger by giving away $25,000 in gas and groceries at participating Kroger locations. I'm looking at this right now. The one in Speedway, uh, East 10th Street, uh, on the uh, south side, down on Southeast Street, uh, right there at uh, Southern Plaza, I believe, is where that is as well. And East 65th Street of the locations going on right now. And a part of the Pacers Radio Network, friend of the show, Pat Boylan, who's in charge of basically everything, joins us now. What location at this time are you representing, Pat? I'm talking to you from the Speedway location. So you're on location. We're on location. It's opening week. We're trying to spread uh, some cheer here around Indianapolis, as you mentioned, at these four different Kroger locations, giving away free gas. We're giving away some free groceries, and we're giving away tickets to opening week. The first three games, we've got a, a nice schedule to start out the year. The first three games are here at Gainbridge Fieldhouse Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. So we figured this would be a great way to tip off the week here out in the city. No, it is, too. And, you know, I exclusively get my gas at the Kroger locations. The one I hit is the one at 135 and Smoky Row Road, close to Bargersville, where I live. But I have been at all of those, especially the one where you're holed up at right now as well. So what, what exactly, for those that may be especially wanting to see you out and about on the west side and Speedway, uh, what, what can you get if you drive by there and check you out? Yeah, if you come over to the Kroger here at Speedway, we've got the players indoors. So if you need to do some grocery shopping, you can go in there and maybe meet a Pacers player or two. Nice. We're out here. We're out here at the gas station pumping gas. So if you come around, there's a little bit of a line. We've just had tremendous response. Uh, but if you're patient, we've got about $25 worth of gas we're giving to you. We've got free groceries inside. So you kind of have to pick one or the other, but we've got Pacers all around. All right. What Pacer players are inside there at Speedway at Kroger? You know, this one right now, we are so uh, dislocated from the actual store that I'm not exactly sure. We've been out here at the pump, but the whole, the whole crew is out there somewhere. So it's sort of a, 
uh, kind of you go in there and it'll be a surprise who you see. But we've got everybody out and about. Every All the Pacers players are out at one of these locations. So, and and where's Denary in this? Is Denary helping you guys out or is he doing CrossFit right now? Where is he? Oh, no, he got his CrossFit taken care of this morning. So <laughs> I haven't talked to him which specific location he's at, uh, but I'm sure he's out there. You never know. You pull up to a pump, you may have Chris Denary pumping your gas. That's the uh, the fun of it. That's Pat Boyle of the Pacer Radio Network. He is uh, staked out right now. The Crawfordsville Road location of Kroger, where they are giving away $25 at, at four different locations. That is just one of the four in gas and groceries at four Kroger locations. So quickly, South Side is at Southeast Street there. I, I don't know if it's still called Southern Plaza or not, but Southsiders know exactly what I'm talking about there. Uh, East 10th Street location of Kroger, uh, as Pat is located at right now, Crawfordsville Road and Speedway and East 65th Street. I'm trying to think where that one is. Oh, no, no, no. Is, uh, no, that's not the one at Benford right there, is it? It's, we have it a little... just south of downtown. But for those who want to know the addresses, the Pacers tweeted this out about 30 okay. to 45 minutes ago. So just go on our social media and you can get the exact addresses there. Well, Pat, let me tell you this. I'm an expert at Kroger locations. I just am. So I'm an expert at knowing where they all. Oh, yeah. I'm a big expert at Kroger locations. So well, you I got just, to uh, up your sleeve. <laughs> I do. Hey, buddy, before I let you go here, you mentioned the first three games of the season all at home. What's going to be the vibe coming up on Wednesday with that opener against the Wiz? Yeah, I can't remember the last time the Pacers have had more than a game or two to start off the season at home. So this is exciting. You'll, the Pacers will play Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday, as you noted, against the Wizards on Wednesday. Uh, Chad Buchanan had a great stat where the Pacers right now, their top ten players, are just over 23 years of age. So I think as most Pacers fans have known, uh, the youth movement is on, but I think it's an exciting time to kind of get in with this team while they're young and at the beginning of this build here. And three great opportunities, as you said, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, three opportunities right off the bat. If you come around these Kroger locations, you might end up with free tickets. Uh, but if not, we'd love to see everybody in the building help pack the field house here to tip off another year. Pat? Great work out of you out in Speedway today. When you're pulling up to get some gas here at Kroger with the Pacers out in Speedway, make sure you do a loud shout-out. Drive by and honk your horn at Pat Boylan, who is helping the cause at one of the four Kroger locations here in the Indianapolis area, and Pat's off of Crawfordsville Road in Speedway. Hey, well done out of you, Pat. Appreciate the call as well, and, yeah, can't wait to fire this bad boy up coming up on Wednesday. Hey, likewise, John, we really appreciate the time. I know it's a busy Monday for you, so uh, we appreciate you spotlighting this for us and all we're doing out in the community. You got it. I'm trying to think on Wednesday. Then I No, you'll be at the field house because it's a home game, so I won't, see, I won't see you until later on. But, hey, well done, man. Keep it going. Pump that gas. Give those groceries away. You know it. I'm hanging up and headed right back to the pump. <laughs> All right, buddy. Pat Boylan right there, the Pacers Radio Network, Crawfordsville Road. Make sure, make sure that if you're out there right now that you take a picture of Pat, take a picture of Pat, and then tweet it to me at JMV1070. A picture of Pat, and then tweet it to me at JMV1070. Again, $25,000 in gas and groceries at participating Kroger locations. This is while supplies last going on right now. It is uh, 4202 Southeast Street uh, here in Indy, 4445 East 10th Street in Indy.
Crawfordsville Road over in Speedway and East 65th Street in Indy as well. That's 2629 East 65th Street. All right, quick break, and we'll come back. What has been an outstanding Monday? It's a winning Monday for the Colts. 3-2-1 and one, and lined up in the crosshairs. A rematch in Nashville coming up on Sunday with the Tennessee Titans. We'll come back with final thoughts and more. Buffalo Wild Wings and Carmel, 146th Street. Our friends from Buffalo Wild Wings, it's been a fantastic time. Also, shout out to our good friends from Bud Light as well. Quick break, and we'll come back. 93.5 and one. The Ride with JMV. I fart in your general direction. Your mother was a hamster and your father smelt of elderberry. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. He stays in as the back to the right of Ryan. Third and 13 now for the Colts. 23 seconds left. Colts down by a point. Three receivers to the left. Ryan throws down the near sideline looking for Alec Pierce. He's got it! Touchdown! Touchdown! Alec Pierce spikes it into the end zone. Touchdown! I-N-D-Y! A 32-yard grab over the shoulder snag. Alec Pierce, 32-27 Colts. Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts. Colts Radio Network on the call right there. I'm telling you, if you get a minute, go back and watch that play again and watch all that goes down. From the snap of the football all the way through the touchdown catch. Watch all that goes down. Now, part of what you're going to watch, and Kyle, I don't know if you noticed this as well. Uh, Matt Pryor does uh, an L Wiffo uh, with that rush. <laughs> it's his face off of right guard right there. That, that is who got to the leg area, the lower extremity area of Matt Ryan upon his release. And honestly, with that Jerome Boger crew, who a week ago had that controversial roughing the passer call that went the way of the Buccaneers and Tom Brady, I, I sat there yesterday live and thought, wow, I was shocked that they did not throw a flag for roughing the passer on that. It didn't matter, and I'm not whining about it or getting on the officiating. I just thought, given that crew... And what we have seen so far this year, that, that I was surprised that didn't get a flag. Now, you watch that, and you watch Ryan get the ball off. And this, this was a terrific pass under duress. And then go back and watch the hand fighting that goes on between Shaquille Griffin and Alec Pierce. Down the field, there was holding, there was grasping. I know you could see that on basically every play, but just go back and watch this because it's the interesting play inside the play that was going on right there. And then Alec Pierce got a little bit of separation, and the ball was right there, and that was the touchdown. That was the game winner. The Colts are three and two and one on the season, and that's going to set up just a mammoth game coming up on Sunday down in Tennessee against the Titans. I mean, mammoth. So we'll talk about that leading up to the week. I know Kyle informed me during the break, uh, a guy that was injured, and we'll see the extent of the injury, but Deion Jackson, who I thought really was outstanding when he was given that opportunity yesterday, uh, Deion Jackson's going to join us coming up on Wednesday. Right, Kyle? Wednesday for Deion Jackson with us? Yep, Wednesday around uh, 5 o'clock. I don't know if there is too much, at least, that has been known about Deion Jackson. I'm, that really interests me a great deal. 
because he's a guy that, that clearly has had to wait his turn. And because of injury situations, you can see him. He's played well. He has really played well. He's going to join us coming up on Wednesday show. Dion Jackson right here. I got to give a shout out, and Jason Hatfield sent me this. Janet behind the bar here at Buffalo Wild Wings in Carmel. Janet behind the bar. It's her birthday. Shout out to Janet on her birthday behind the bar, everybody. Yeah. Way to go, Janet. Happy birthday to Janet. She is working really hard. No doubt about that. This has been a really good time here. This Buffalo Wild Wings location in Carmel. I got to thank you all for coming out. Give yourselves a round of applause, too. Thank you. Great time today. Cam, thank you for the on-site engineering as usual. This is Sianna down there. She is going to pick a winner for the tickets and the signed replica helmet coming up. So anybody that has an issue, you got to blame. No, I'm just joking. Blame me. Don't blame Sianna. Kyle back at the station for running things per usual. Yeah, we'll be out and about again coming up on Thursday and Friday. I'll tell you tomorrow after 3 when and where. And i got to thank you for listening as well. Inside the Lounge via YouTube Live, Facebook Live on Twitter. Thank you all for all the input. And uh, we'll watch a little Monday Night Football. And again, thank you, Amanda and the gang here at Buffalo Wild Wings in Carmel and our friends at Bud Light for a fantastic time. Matt Taylor and the gang up next. It's Colts Roundtable Live coming straight at you. Top of the hour, 93.5 and 107.5. The fan, have a great night. I'll talk to you again tomorrow with three.